Hello, my hi, my kitane hotaka. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Wallace Chapman here. Kiemo Tono, my koto katoa. Coming up on the program, Stuart Nash has been demoted to the bottom of the cabinet rankings on a final warning, but still keeps his ministerial roles. We discuss that right after the headlines at four. The biggest banks in the US swooped in to rescue First Republic Bank with a flood of cash totaling $30 billion. Credit Suisse, they need a $50 billion cash injection. What are we seeing here? What if this marks a run on banks internationally? Also, a 30% loss in green spaces in Auckland as intensification intensifies. Do trees matter in cities? And getting a hug in the workplace. What are the rules here? Have you had issues of being hugged? That unsolicited touch on the arm, on the shoulder at work? Let me know. This drew quite a discussion in the office today. I'd like to hear from you. Text me 2101. You can email the panel at rnz.co.nz. With me today, Cindy Michener from Michener and Associates Recruitment. Welcome, Cindy. Hi, Wallace. Thank you for having me. Splendid and green. Lovely to have you. Splendid. Thank you. Very good. Also, David Cormack, the Managing Director of Draper Cormack Group, former staff member in the Green Party. Kia ora, David. Kia ora, Wallace. How are you? Very well, thank you. Now, we discussed about a week ago this recipe using marrow. We talked about marrow with Anadine. And Miriam sent a family recipe for calabasa which is a Greek-Spanish recipe, and uh, people absolutely loved it. I sent out a couple of hundred emails on this, but I thought, hang on, why don't I just put it, put it online? So it's now online at rnz.co.nz forward slash the panel. And by the way, if you want to listen back uh, to the panel, maybe you're with friends at a pub and you're bored, and you think, I wish I was listening to the panel right now. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I'm look. I'm not. I'm, I'm not laughing. You're, you're with friends. You're at a pub. You're bored, and you're thinking. I wish I was listening to the panel. Absolutely. I'd say go home. Would <laughs> you? Know, you? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, you can do it. Um, Rnz.co.nz forward slash the panel. Dipping into the Friday mailbag, and goodness gracious me, we had a wonderful response. And I just want to acknowledge all the teachers who actually emailed me about their experiences. Here's an example. <clears throat> Elaine says my family arrived. Here as migrants from a despotic country where I taught secondary science, but I did not last long teaching here due to the demands in class separate from the preparation and delivery of syllabus. I was demoralised and told the principal I would leave the profession because I was not up for bad behaviours from classroom learners. Here's another one of many. Kia ora panel, I'm a beginning teacher in my first year high school in Auckland. My student debt is higher than 50000 and remember, they're on around 50 grand a year when they start. Actually, a bit under, isn't it? Uh, this person goes on to say, I teach over 100 kids this year. I have a handful of diagnosed kids with learning difficulties, one who is autistic and deaf, but he doesn't get a teacher aid in my class. But I have to take the careful time to teach him, plus the 30 other children in his class. And that's just one senior class of mine. But there are at least five diagnosed kids. So many just fly under the radar and really do struggle. Around the panel on this, I mean, the emails we got, David, are really quite something. They, they painted, uh, they give me an insight into what teachers do face uh, at the coal face. I mean, my parents were both teachers. Um, they've now both retired, but even when I was going up through uh, my schooling, which is 20 odd years ago now, I saw 
how much they they were doing out of hours, right? We don't appreciate that, and and it seems to just continually get harder and harder and harder for teachers, and and we we absolutely don't pay them what they're worth. And you know, everyone was talking about when Jacinda Ardern resigned, and she talked about burnout and didn't have it in the tank. And Nicola Sturgeon was the same. Well, I think we're seeing an endemic of it throughout our teachers, and so I actually think we need to take this really seriously. Or who's going to be helping shape the minds of all the future leaders? Surprisingly, David, I absolutely agree with you. I'm actually a trained teacher, and, and I taught in Porirua for um, for one year, and, and, and then I left a mixture of dreadful pay, and this is you know some quite some time ago, but also just depressing. My kids didn't have shoes on, didn't have... I spent just most of my salary on their lunches. We used to do folk dancing first thing in the morning to warm them all up. And and I just, you know, I mean, I, it's a cop-out, I know, but I just, it was just, all, it was just all too much for me. I just couldn't, couldn't bear it. I mean, maybe I should have gone to a higher socioeconomic area, but it, you know, it is uh, really hard, really difficult, and so important job. I cannot believe that we are still, how many years later, no, you know, nothing has changed. Teachers are so grossly undervalued. I didn't know all this. So after I just year, want to know why it's so surprising that you agreed with me. <laughs> because they often, uh, Cindy often doesn't when you're both together. <laughs> <laughs> I seem to recall we have disagreed on the odd panel. I'm very subject. insightful and correct, Cindy. <laughs> yes, yes, and I'm always right, so there we go. <laughs> oh, the panel. Um, I'm just picking up on that. It was it was significant enough for you to go, after one year, I don't, probably don't have it in me to continue. I, look, I just knew I couldn't. I just oh. knew it was just too much. And I had, I mean, I was getting a really sore throat and I was getting ill and, you know, I used to go home and cry. And, you know, I'm a pretty tough old bunny. And it was just, Gosh. you know. Uh, um, uh, another one here. Uh, and, again, thank you so much for actually sharing your stories with me. I really do uh, want to say thank you for that. Lisa says, and this is a bridge. It was a long email. I'm a kindergarten teacher. I joined the strike today. Kindergarten teachers have not been on strike for 18 years. And I certainly did not take the decision lightly. I made the decision for many reasons. High on the list, pay was one, but the high on the list is ratios. There are days when I feel all I'm doing is just keeping childcare safe. It's not what I train for. I want to empower children, nurture them, inspire. I want to provide a learning environment which helps give children the skills and attitudes they need to be successful. I want so much more. Children deserve so much more. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Uh, now, moving on to Ministry of Works, we discussed this actually. Uh, Max Rashbrook wrote, wrote an interesting piece in Staff. I thought we'd pick up on that. Should we bring back the old Ministry of Works? This is the government department responsible for massive infrastructure projects such as dams, hospitals. So how to tackle uh, some of these uber-big projects? It was privatised under Labour in 1988. Beth says the only building to completely survive with no trouble after the earthquakes was the old post office in Christchurch, built by the Ministry of Works in 1933, I think. It's now Alice's, the wonderful DVD collection and cinema. Any thoughts on that panel uh, bringing back to tackle the massive infrastructure projects? Forget the contractors, you bring things in-house. Well, what, what happened? So after the Ministry of Works, the work they must have gone somewhere. Are we saying that it all went out to 
private businesses. Yes. Absolutely. Privatised in 88. Yeah, okay. that's, that's what happened. So, but it, but it went to a whole range of private businesses. Yes, because the idea was that competition would make the price go down and then we'd get better delivery of, of major infrastructure projects. So what could or would the Ministry of Works or our Ministry of Works contribute now? You'd bring it all in-house. Right, and how good have we been at... Um, you know, a lot of projects in the last six years. You know, I mean, what, well, I think that, why what, would it be better? Well, I think the point Max Rashbrook made was, you know, some of the New Zealand's most significant infrastructure projects was made uh, in this procurement, particularly super procurement, was actually quite good because you had everyone together. So you were able to um, price a job well. But or, having said that, the research wasn't clear on whether the model would be necessarily better but it was just an option to um, bring it to the table again. So it's, anyway, it's better than David. But then, like we, we've had a race to the bottom, right? Like the the government's put tenders out for these massive projects, and they judge almost exclusively on price. Yeah, but and then that's the cheapest and the cheapest option is often you know rubbish, and then we get crappy infrastructure as a result that doesn't last. And so you know, there's got to be a better solution. Whether or not it's a Ministry of Works, at least we're talking about something different than just the status quo. It's a shame that we have to go back to something we've already done. Is there a different thing we could do? But there's got to be something better than than the race to the bottom that we've had in place for the past 25 years, 45 well, years. I mean, if you if you look at government procurement, I've actually you know filled out a few forms etc. for for jobs, and, and the problem is it's so philistine. It is the price of everything and the value of nothing, and you, the the emphasis on short short term price really. Uh, has a, a complete lack of understanding about how things pan out over mid and long term. I, I mean, I think the race to the bottom is what's actually caused a lot of the problems in our infrastructure businesses. They've had to quote really, really cheap, and they cannot do the job for the price okay. they've quoted. Anyway, so the idea is back on the table, as uh, David uh, said there. Uh, what else uh, have we got? Uh, by the way, um, wonderful producer Ayana said uh, we're getting the Calavasta recipe uh, up now online, rnz.co.nz forward slash the panel. Pubs with no social media. It's a, it's a pub in Yorkshire, which basically says at the door, uh, absolutely no social media. And they'll tell you off if you find they you're, you're searching on Twitter. Uh, you know, over your pint, I said, actually, isn't isn't is there nothing more enjoyable than scrolling through Twitter over a nice pint by yourself? But this pub says no. Someone says, hearing your trailer about this pub in Yorkshire where tech is banned, I think you're meaning Sam a Sam Smith pub. I think a few of them don't allow phones, uh, but hoping it's the White House Nellies you in Beverly you're discussing is made up of lots of little rooms, has stone flagged floors, it's still gas lit. Plenty of no phones signs. I grew up just around the corner and had the privilege of introducing my son and his partner to it. And needless to say, there is no photographic evidence of the visit. Isn't that mm-hmm. interesting? Well, I mean, I actually think it's a, a a a good idea. If you know, it's a really good idea not not to have your phone or be on your phone if you're with other people. But if you're actually in the pub on your own or having a quick lunch and you want to do a quick email or something, I think if you're on your own, that it is a lot more acceptable. I just think it's terrible when you see people like you know out, out at dinner at a restaurant, and you know there's five people around the table and three of them are on their phone. I want to get up and say, 
give me that. I, right. do, I don't. Yeah. It is time. Shall we start with David? I, I had a yeah. reckon on the phones and pubs situation. Go on. So I think it's a shame that now you can't have long, winding arguments about factual matters because someone just whips their phone out and looks something up on Wikipedia, and that has killed, for me, pub conversations where you'd argue about an All Blacks test in 1987 or some rubbish like that. And so I don't support banning them, but I think that they kind of have ruined some of the magic. <laughs> oh, that's interesting, isn't it? Because that happens. Let me just check that. Yeah. Go on Google. Well, some of some, some of those uh, long pub arguments could, you know, get you know louder and louder and fiercer and fiercer as one is consuming a pub's products. Not as louder as they get on Twitter, though, right? Um, but um, I think, David, you've got a rather special. I've been thinking. So um, why don't you start today? I mean, thank you. I appreciate that. So this week, I'm going to be self-indulgent here. This week has been two anniversaries of sorts for me. Um, Earlier in the week, it was the seventh year of my company still existing. Uh, And so when Lou and I, Lou is the draper of Draper Cormac, when Lou and I got together, we really just wanted to get to two years. So I was really proud of getting to seven years and look we hire two people and we we look after our staff unlimited sick leave and good working conditions and and we pay out a lot in wages and so we're really proud of ourselves for for getting that far through and so big shout out to all business owners um because it's cool and exciting and terrifying Um, and so I'm proud of that. And then the other is it's actually my 11th wedding anniversary uh, today, and that's not really a significant number. But the point is, for both of these, is that I am a terribly irritating person, and I have been very fortunate to find two people that will put up with my crap for a really long period of time. So thank you to both Lou and to my wife, Kim. That's really that's wonderful. That's very sweet. Yeah. Oh. Very sweet. And I just want to say that, uh, David, it's just so wonderful to give up your anniversary to be here on the panel. Well, time How away from that? Kim is healthy for my relationship because I'm so annoying. <laughs> uh, I, look, I'm not going to sort of take the words out of your mouth and extend that, but um, has that, I mean, you are a person with st- of strong opinion. So is she. But you're more annoying. Oh, God, yeah. Everyone says Kim is the best part of Dave and Kim, like without a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> Very good. All right, we've got a, a 90 seconds for you, Cindy. Okay, it's really quick. It's sort of a, a, a verbal memo to the Auckland Mayor and Council, and it's just like, please, 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 there's big Auckland City budget cuts coming. Please remember the value of the soft things, the cultural things. I sense just from some of the things that have been said that the blowtorch is on culture, the blowtorch is on art. And, I mean, Pacifica, the thought that that wouldn't be funded again is just just shows to me there is no real understanding about how to create a great city. If Wayne city. Brown is listening this afternoon, what Hi, would you Wayne. say to him? Yes. I'd say, Wayne, please have a look at creating a great city which needs culture, it needs stimulation, it needs excitement, and it needs to care for the people as well as have its drains fixed. Karohamia, Cindy Mitchell and David Cormack this afternoon on Power Ballad Friday. The panel, exactly, Cindy.